This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Coming up on today's show, Nick refuses to apologise to my Canadian extended family for slagging them off on last week's show regarding their involvement with my fantasy football. Is, is he beating you? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good at it. <laughs> The saving grace this week is that Nick has got a wicked story about a UFC fighter. He was working as a truck driver, picked off the streets by the one and only George Foreman. George Foreman got this guy into fight sports. And, of course, we both act like red-blooded lads, 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 because Paige Van Zandt is back in action this weekend. Who was the uh, who was the cartoon wolf? Remember in the cartoons when we were kids, like uh, who used to Wa- do- Warner Brothers? <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that I know guy what you mean. And his eyes come out of doing, 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 out yeah, of his yeah, head. Yeah. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, welcome to episode 60 of the Fight Disciples podcast. This one obviously dedicated to the world of UFC. We are smack bang in the middle of coming off the back of UFC Toronto and heading towards UFC Sacramento. So we're going to try uh, and cover everything uh, within that remit. Uh, over the next 40 minutes or so. So make sure you uh, stick with us. If you uh, subscribe to us already on iTunes, thank you so much. If you don't, make sure you hit the button, man. You'll never miss out on any of our content. And we're always on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Fight Disciples. Come and join the conversation. Um, I've uh, I've done some research, actually, this week, Nick. I'm going to try... What? And me- yeah, man, I'm going to try and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about, rather than just blagging it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Instead of winging it, as mm. usual. Mm. Okay. Hit me. Hit me with some stats, baby. That was the first time in UFC history that the belt was on the line for only one of the fighters. Yeah, another fighter missing weight. We talked about it on our boxing show on Wednesday. Mate. and uh, It was Christmas, crazy, isn't it? man. Christmas crazy. and Thanksgiving. Everybody's getting in on the pies and the, and the turkey, man. That's what it is. Just insane. You know, I know Petters is a, a natural lightweight, really. He's coming down to featherweight and... I don't know. It was. A, it's been a title fight for a long time, so they knew he had to make championship weight for him to come in at one forty eight. You know, three pound over. It's it's not good, man. And to be honest, as soon as I as soon as I heard that news Friday morning, I knew then. Uh, don't get me wrong. We tipped Holloway to win last weekend. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. We, we fancied Holloway for this one, but as soon as Pet, I heard Pettis had, had weighed in over, I thought, right, that's it. Holloway will stop him, and and so it proved. 10 on the spin, man. That is the third longest amongst active fighters in the company behind John Jones and Demetrius Johnson. See these stats? They're coming out my ass today, man. Insane. But you're talking about John Jones and Demetrius Johnson, two long-standing champions, obviously prior to Bones being stripped, two guys that are at the top of the game. This is the first time we've had a guy go 10-0 and 0 yeah. and only just get a belt around his waist. You know, Max Holloway, it's been incredible. What he's had to do to get to, go, to UFC gold has been completely unheard of until this year. Mate, he's and, in some uh, good company with what you just said there. I mean, that streak of, of, of 10 fights. I mean, who is it? I mean, I think Jones, uh, we just mentioned Johnson, obviously. Anderson yeah. Silva did it. Uh, GSP did it Royce Gracie did it all all champions these are all champions all guys who are holding on to titles Mm. or you know building legacies Max Holloway isn't you know up until this weekend he wasn't even well he still isn't the top ranked guy in the featherweight division Mm. and yet he's strung together 10 wins that fight with Aldo's got to happen Max deserves it he deserves to be the full featherweight champion to be honest that performance against Anthony Pettis and the noises Aldo's been making you know since his even before sorry he got knocked out by Conor McGregor talking Mm. about retiring and everything else 
Holloway, I think Holloway takes him apart. I think Holloway is the genuine £145 champion right now. They're talking Brooklyn to uh, 208, mate. That's when it's happening. Yeah, I think Holloway was talking about that in the ring and then in the cage afterwards. And then it, it was later on at the press conference, he said, you know what? He had a little pop at Jose. He said, oh, Waldo. Never turn- yeah, Waldo. Waldo. Yeah. Waldo. Where's Waldo? He never yeah, yeah. turns up. He always pulls out a fight. So I'm not ruining my Christmas and New Year with being away, you know, training and missing out on my kids' Christmas for that guy. But then subsequently, Aldo's come out this week and said, I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be ready at 208. I'm going to be, you know, defending my title whether you're there or not. So I don't know whether a bit of kidology on Holloway's part as, as and Aldo's fell for it or uh, Holloway actually did have second thoughts. I don't really know how it's going to play out, but from what I gather, it's definitely going to happen in 208. Mm. What do you make of Pettis though now? Because he's not had the greatest of years. I think uh, his last five USC appearances have gone four defeats, one victory, and that's the first time he's been stopped, knocked out, actually, isn't it, uh, in his whole career? He's had loads yeah. of problems with weight and various things like that. So where do you see him now? I mean, he, he complained that I think he broke his hand and he in the first round. Yeah, he did, yeah, but so he's saying he did anyway, mm. but, you know, that's he, he'd missed weight long before then, so his mind wasn't right going into this fight, and it's been strange watching the demise of, of Anthony Pettis over the last couple of years. Obviously, he was the he was the lightweight champion yeah. uh, for a short spell just three years ago. Uh, and then he ran into Rafael de Sanyos, got a completely obliterated in that fight, uh, you know, lost lost every round. And then since then, you know, he's just not looked like the same fighter. And sometimes guys change weight and it improves them it moves them forward look at Robert Whittaker of course the welterweight from Australia he's moved up to middleweight looks like a world beater and other times guys change weight in desperation because they don't know what to do next you know this is a former champion that had lost three on the spin in the UFC obviously you know what it's like if you if you lose three in the spin on the UFC convincingly as well all those defeats were convincing defeats chances are you're going to get your marching orders even if you are a star like Anthony Pettis and it just kind of smelt like oh, I'm going to move to featherweight. You know, I've been kidding myself all these years. I'm actually a natural featherweight. It gives you that new lease of life. And then beating Oliveira on his featherweight debut back in the summer, you kind of thought, okay, yeah, you know, a a submission win. You know, this is, Pettis looks kind of nice and fresh again. But against Holloway, he just looked shot shy, didn't he? He Mm. just looked like, he looked like the, even though he was taller, the confidence wasn't there, the swagger wasn't there, which he had in his old WEC days and everything else. And he just doesn't look like the same fighter. I know he's been questioning. He doesn't train full-time at Duke Rufus anymore. He trains at other places as well. And I think once you start doing that, once you start wavering a little bit, it, it just uh, it speaks volumes about where you are mentally. And I don't know whether Anthony Pettis has got a mental coach, but my God, I think he needs one because where, where does he go from here? I don't know. Fight of the night, mate, yeah? Fight of the night, fight of the year, fight of the decade. Jesus. <laughs> you you were so excited about uh, I bigged them up last week. I said to everyone listening last week, keep an eye out for the Korean Superboy. The kid is special. And you know what? It makes me laugh every time I see him walk to that octagon because he literally looks 12, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. He looks like a 12-year-old boy. And he gets in there, obviously... Listen, we know what Cubby Swanson's all about. You'd never have to go looking for Cub. The guy is a machine. 
You know, I love watching Cub Swanson fight. Different fight. angles, everything. Yeah, it's coming I, from everywhere, isn't it? I've always been a huge fan of Cub Swanson. Always have. I've been, you know, been, I've been dreaming for him to put a run together to get him on the cover of Fighters Only for years because I'm a massive Cubby Swanson fan. But he got beat by Frankie. He got beat by Max Holloway. You were kind of like, where does he go from here? You know, he bags so many fights of the night submission checks, but you just kind of thought, has yeah. he gone over the hill now? Has it gone? Is Duho Choi getting him at the right time? You know, is he is he on his way down? But again, he proved that he's got plenty of fire left in the tank because the two of them just went at it. And what a chin! Choi has got by the way what he took a, a lot of clean chin. he took a lot of clean shots man and he did he just stood there didn't he it was yeah. unreal he, he took way more power shots than Cub took and yet he, don't get me wrong he, the, the two of them were falling all over the place but at no point did I think Choi was going to get finished I always thought because of the way he was taking the shots I thought this kid's going to be there to the end. But mm. when Cub got rocked, you thought, he's going to finish him now. He's got, Swanson's going to get finished because he, he, he just looked like he was going to go. But, oh my God, I'm so glad it went to distance. It was a hell of a fight. And, uh, you know, I, I, I scored a 29-28. I give one of the rounds to Choi. I think I gave the, the first round to him. The other day. Yeah, I gave the I, first round to Choi. Me too. Yeah, I thought I think the judges had a thirty twenty seven, didn't he, across the board? Maybe, maybe they didn't. Maybe no, one, one of them. One of them. Maybe one of them had it, yeah, one of them had it like us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, that would have been. It, it means nothing to the fighters afterwards. But from when you put in a performance like that, you don't want to lose a unanimous decision. You deserve a split decision. You deserve a little bit more. You know, it was a great fight. In fights like that, which are absolute wars, and you love it, and you've—I always think you should just cherish that moment. I'd never want to see them fight again unless it's a title fight, mm. because fights like that take something away from you. You know, I'm not talking about long term. You're going to be eating your Christmas dinner out of a straw. Take what take away from you. But what I mean is, you know, fights like that, you only get so many in the career. Yeah, you only get so many. You can't do that every week. No, you, know, you only get so many of them. So. Yes, it would be amazing to see them do it again, but I definitely don't want to see it unless there's a title fight attached. Unless, you know, I'd love to see one of those guys now have a real opportunity to push on. Obviously, we've just spoke about Max Holloway potentially fighting Aldo at 208. It'd be great maybe to get Swanson out right after and Choi as well, get them right out right after that and, and, and keep them in the mix because that featherweight division, man, it, it, there's a lot of life down there, you know. Now Connor's moved on. Now Connor's up at lightweight and, and potentially up at welterweight. The featherweight division's got an opportunity now to come alive again. Mm. And all these guys, you know, the, the former Lord of Lee Q behind Jose Aldo right now. You know, that was the only... I, w- I would love to have seen uh, Choi get, win that fight. Heading in, I was hoping he was kind of... Even though I'm a big Cubby Swanson fan, I was hoping he was going to win because, obviously, I want to see... I want to see fresh challenges for Jose Aldo. If Jose Aldo is going to come back and begin this campaign or whatever, I want to see fresh challenges. Obviously, Holloway... I, I've just mentioned it, and I think Holloway beats him anyway, but I'd love to have seen Holloway against Choi. I've seen Holloway against... Uh, Cubby Swanson I've seen Jose Aldo going to Cubby Swanson I was open for fresh blood but you know what I'm so happy as a Cub Swanson fan I'm so happy he's back so happy he's in the mix and both those guys I know there was a loser on the night but both those guys only enhanced their reputations and their title aspirations with fights like that I loved it Now on tomorrow's show we are mixing boxing and UFC together and part of it will be our very first ever awards ceremony where we're talking about fighter of the year fights of the year knockout of the year uh, when it comes to fighter, the fighter of the year, should I say, Nick? Yeah, Donald Cerrone, mate. What a knockout of the weekend! That's his fourth victory this year. He looks a different beast at this weight, my man. Come on, mm-hmm. he can't be too far away, can he? 
he looks magnificent as a welterweight, doesn't he? You know, and there's no denying it. And every time you sp- every time you speak to Cowboy, he's like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, probably go back down to lightweight. And you're like, why? Why would you want to go back down to lightweight? You yeah, look like man. an absolute killer. He's been magnificent this year, and you know, Matt Brown is a tough guy. Tough guy, you know, he's like a zombie map around. He just keeps coming, keeps plugging away to bury him the way he did with that head kick. Oh, man, it was special. And, uh, you know, Cerrone's got to be in the mix now. He's got to be in the mix in that welterweight division. There's no denying him anymore. He's also got bags of personality. That's why I like him, you know what I mean? All this messing about with the eye stuff. Every time I watch his Instagram, he's doing, I don't know, he's, fishing, he's wrestling a shark in the sea or something. He's absolutely yep. bonkers is the fella. And I think the fans love him and I think yep. he deserves a shot. Well, I remember a few years ago where... He wants Damien Maia, by the way. I think that's what he said after the fight, didn't he? He wants Damien Maia next. Which is a, a great shout because, it, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, unless unless Connor comes straight back and fights Woodley, then you'd hazard a guess that Woodley and Superboy are going to go at it again, which yeah. means that Damien Maia's stuck on the shelf because Damien Maia's the next in line uh, behind Wonderboy, really, or, you know, ahead of Wonderboy. But if on Cowboy does him... But then, so that's what Cowboys thinking. Cowboys thinking, well, I just, you know, I'll, I'll keep Damian mm. Wire with them. I'll go, I'll, I'll jump in there with Damian Wire. Whoever wins that fight, categorically, has got to fight for the title next. So I understand why he's sh- making that shout, Cowboy. But listen, a couple of years ago, we did done a big interview with Cowboy for the cover of Fighters Only, and uh, spoke to him, spoke to his team, and everything. And it, it, just after this down period, he, he revitalized himself again. He was coming back strong for a potential lightweight title shot and I was like you know what's the secret you know what have you what's changed what's happened and he was like I've just gone back to being me I've stopped living clean I've stopped not drinking I've stopped not partying I've stopped not rock climbing and cliff jumping and yeah events. I'm doing it oh, everything I want to do I'm doing again happy fire man happy he, fire he thought he had to cut all that out because everyone was telling him Man, you can't eat pizza and drink Budweiser the week of a fight. Man, you can't go rock climbing the night before a fight. You can't go, you know, white water rafting or wave jumping or whatever it is, crocodile wrestling. You can't do that stuff and become a legitimate title challenger. And he listened to those people and his career fell off. Yeah. He started losing fights. Yeah. So he went back to just doing what he loves to do, and that's just being Donald Cerrone and being a as he's as he's named as ranch. A bad motherfucker. That's and it, that's man. how he lives his life. And look at him. Four, four, knock- in the pudding. four knockouts in 2016 as he steps up to welterweight. It's absolutely sensational stuff. One man that we spoke about quite a lot recently, mainly because we're pissed off we him missing weight left, right and centre, Yeah, is Calvin Gastelum. He looked amazing at 185 yeah, pounds, man. Why is he talking about going back down to 170? What a dickhead. Stop it, mate. Stay yeah, at 185. Exactly. You look amazing. Exactly, exactly like Cowboy staying at welterweight. Kelvin Gastelum should just stay at middleweight. Tim Kennedy's a big middleweight, a big guy, like a big guy. He put manners on him, mate. He was good. Didn't you think Kennedy was big, big though? Like like too big? Big, yeah. like Fleshy. No, I mean, how the fuck do you get that big? <laughs> oh, natural, do you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, he's been on some, he was, uh, he's been some he, enhancement he was, plant. If it wasn't for the fact that Tim Kennedy is, you know, one of the most respected and cleanest living and, you know, uh, former decorated former military uh, officer or whatever, you would there would have been some serious questions around his physique at the weekend because he just looked, to be honest, I'm not saying for a second Tim Kennedy is juicing because of course he isn't. I'm sure he's being tested, but he just, just looked like... Just a, one minute, just one minute. I'm just phoning all lawyers. One minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but... I would like to, I would like... Yeah, I, I Dave. I'd just it's like not to, me. It, yeah, it's, it's Nick. Nick said it. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. If there's any fines coming, yeah, just, just forward them on to him. Liverpool. All, all Liverpool. I'm saying is he looked like a juicer. 
He looked like a Jew said. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, he's uh, allegedly. He's used the words allegedly. Are we okay? He said he looked like one. He never said he actually was one. Exactly. Oh, Listen, we're okay. We're okay. Categorically, okay. categorically, he isn't. He's someone that's spoken out about this kind of thing in the past. Categorically, he isn't. But he looked like he was. He had too much muscle mass. Yeah. He looked huge. He was absolutely ripped to bits and I thought why why are you so big listen we haven't seen him in such a long time he's mm. been out of out of action for what you know when was the last time we seen him fight there's the Yolo Romero defeat so t- over two years ago we haven't seen him fight for two years clearly he's been lifting weights for two years mm. he looked massive and it caught up with him it completely caught up with him because first round he could he looked he looked all right obviously he was never going to be Ga- Ga- Gastelum's boxing's outstanding Kennedy's more of a grappler, more of a ground fighter. You know, he, he gets on you, he ties you out, and he beats you up. Exactly what he did to Bispin. That's it. That's what he does. And he was doing that in the first round. But all that muscle mass, all that burning lactic acid, it just caught up with him massively. And he just had, he, he was exhausted. One minute into the second round, Tim Kennedy was exhausted. Mm. And from that point forward, Gaston just played with him until he finished him. I was dis- uh, To be honest, I was disappointed in Tim Kennedy as much as I was happy for Kelvin Gaston. Before we uh, move to Sacramento, you've got some apologising to do, by the way. Oh, what have I done now? No, no, no. Right. Uh, last week on the show, I was talking about my uh, brother-in-law nagging me for the press pass to get himself uh, to UFC Toronto. Yeah. Um, obviously, he, he tried and uh, he couldn't get in that way. But of one of his mates sorted him out because one of his mates, I don't know, works at some company that had some hospitality. One of the clients dropped out. Then my boy... Gets on on the ticket. He makes he pops his UFC cherry. What a way oh, to what, pop it! What, what a way what to a time pop it. to do it! Yeah. Oh, what, a, what a mint card to do it! Yeah. So he's sending me pictures, winding me up from the from Octagon side, saying, "Hey, look where I am. I'm obviously just getting in from the Joshua night. Thinking, are you taking the piss? This looks unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll watch that in the morning. But that's not what you have to apologise for. You may remember that you uh, said on last week's show when I mentioned that my brother-in-law lives out in Toronto. Yeah. And that we have extended family across Canada, some Canadian people, i.e. Owen Waring, who listens to this podcast. He's a kind guy. He downloads our stuff. He listens to us on a day-to-day basis. He lives Owen, out- Owen is a disciple. He is a disciple, man. He lives out in Vancouver. He's a fully, he's a fully blown Canadian, though, right? And you yeah. said, what? When we were talking about fantasy football. <laughs> you said, what? You're getting beat in the fantasy football leagues off a Canadian. What are you all about? He wants an apology, mate, because this guy knows his shit. He follows a lot of English sports. He's well into his football. He plays the fantasy football. He's quite good at it. He knows his stuff. And you're all right. He's, he's beating like, is, is he beating you? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good at it. <laughs> what team does he support? That's all I need to know. Tell me, what team does he support? Well, he's obviously... he has. What his, team does he support in the Premier League? He doesn't have a Premier League team. Oh. He has a Blackburn Rovers teammate in the championship. He's one oh of us. Oh my god, that he's says one, it all. He's one of our crew, isn't he? Says it, it all. He's, one of our, he's even got a Blackburn Rovers tattoo as the kid. That's how hardcore he is. He's right in there, man. Jesus. What do you mean, yeah. Jesus? Listen, the guy, the guy, listen, if you're supporting a championship relegation uh, fodder, you know your football. Let me tell you, bro. None of this glory hunting at the top of the Premier League. <laughs> So, Owen, I'll apologise for him, mate. You know I, I, your stuff. I'll apologise to Owen that Adam is so crap at fancy football. <laughs> he can't even beat someone that calls the game soccer. <laughs> Owen. Brilliant. Listen, I'm buzzing for your cousin, though. What an event to be at that was in Toronto. Brother-in-law. Wow. Brother-in-law. Oh, your brother-in-law, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What a way to pop yeah, his yeah. cherry, yeah. And before we move on from that card as well, we yeah. haven't even mentioned it. And listen, I know we're probably going to mention it tomorrow, in tomorrow's show when we discuss potential for knockout of the year 
But did you see Lando Venata's spinning wheel kick? Mate, it's a joke. It was a joke. John McDessy. I've only seen the knockout. I didn't see the fight, so I can't. I, can't, I couldn't tell well, you. Well, the fight—it was only a hundred seconds into the fight. It so, was—it was you know shy of two minutes in. Yeah, I saw. It, I saw it, it, it trending. It I saw it trending. I looked at it. I went, "What the fuck was that?" So exactly. you just kept rewinding it and looking at it again. It was unbelievable. Wow. Well, did, listen, that's not. The, it's not the first time we've seen that pretty much exact same knockout. It happened in two thousand eleven. My boy it was as well. Uh, a guy who I used to train in the same gym with, Terry Etham. At the time, he was being billed as the, the British Anderson Silver. He was a rising superstar. And he got caught with exactly the same shot by Edson Barbosa. Completely switched his light out. Terry was never the same again. Never the same again. And not long after, he was, he was cut by the UFC. And even now to this day, whenever you watch UFC events, that Edison Barbosa spin and heel... Wheel kick, knockout, gets flashed everywhere. I'm telling you now, Landon Venatas from the weekend, if you haven't seen it yet, Google it, man. Go and see it. It was special. And this is a guy, I think he's only had 10 fights. He trains with John Jones. He's based out of Albuquerque with Jackson Wink MMA. This is a guy that admitted afterwards that he actually watched the Edson Barbosa spinning kick knockout from five, six years ago. And at the time... He couldn't do a spinning anything. He couldn't throw any good kicks like that. That wasn't what he was all about. But he's seen that and he was inspired to go and learn how to throw spinning shots. And now six years on, five years on, he goes and lands one of his own. Pretty much exactly the same kick, same leg, same spin. It was perfect. And uh, tell you what, that's, that's a contender for knockout of any year, never mind this year. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Before we move on to Sacramento, we must talk Albany because there was two fight cards um, over the weekend. Our boy, dear Keith, he did the business once again. I think he's a little bit disappointed, if I'm honest, mate, that he didn't get yeah. a finish. But a win's a win. That's 11-0 now in his MMA career, 2-0 in his UFC career. The boy is going places. He is, yeah, but it was a sobering performance. Frankie Perez, man, much respect to Frankie Perez. Talk about having that uh, Jersey boy fighting him. That kid was tough. And, uh, you know, he put Mark on his back and, and you know, deservedly com- dominated the second round. And, uh, you know, I, I I was worried for Mark going into that third round, especially because Mark's corner team, I don't know what was going on there, but they just seemed to completely and utterly lose their shit. You know, the, the, the advice they were giving Mark heading into that final round was awful. They were just like little cheerleaders in there. It was so, I was shocked, to be honest with you, because, you know, we know that camp. We've spoke mm. to those guys before, Scotty Askham and that, you know. we. I, I was shocked that the, the information they were giving him was so lacklustre or heat of the moment. But uh, thankfully, he grounded out, you know, he did the right thing. He, he took the, you know, he took, he took top control and... He dominated the th- the final round to get rounds one and three and to get the decision. But tell you what, it was a it was a close call and uh, again it, it was a great fight, great effort by Frankie Perez. But I tell you what, Mark doesn't need fights like that. You know, mm. he, 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 they're not the fights that we expected him to produce in the UFC. We want more performances like his UFC debut. But this is what he's gonna have to come up with. You see, he's gonna. This is the UFC, baby. These are the best guys in the world. You can't. You're not fed anybody anymore. You've got to beat whoever's put in front of you. And sometimes the guy put in front of you is as talented and as tough and as hard working as the guy at the top of your division. There's no easy fights, and that proved on Saturday night. So it was a. I thought it was a sobering fight for Mark Dakeys. But listen, a win's a win. We move forward, and uh, 
you know, hopefully we get uh, we see him. It'd be nice to see him at UFC London in March. Absolutely. What's next for uh, the big beast, Derek Lewis, getting himself a victory once again at the weekend? I'm telling you, man, he's right in that heavyweight mix now, isn't he? You know, he's in a rich vein of form. I think speaking about guys that have had good years, this is a heavyweight that has won four fights in 2016. You know, heavyweights just aren't usually that active. You know, mm. it's unreal. And the only guy that managed to go the distance with him was Roy Nelson because, obviously, as we know, Roy's got a chin made of solid steel. Mm. But, uh, you know, to knock out three guys, to get a big decision win over Roy Nelson just shows exactly where Derek Lewis is right now. He's literally a phone call away from a title shot, a phone call away. And uh, the Black Beast, man, he's got a real great story behind him. People love him. The fans are really warming to him as well. Uh, it's exciting times. I, literally, I think he's uh, he could literally be a phone call away. And the great the backstory there, if, if you don't know, is this guy was basically picked off the streets. He was working as a truck driver, picked off the streets by the one and only George Foreman. George Foreman got this guy into fight sports. George Foreman was trying to make him into a boxer, trying to make him into a boxing champion. Derek Lewis, somewhere along the lines, decided he'd rather fight mixed martial arts instead. What a great story and what a great, uh, what a great brand new addition to the heavyweight title picture he is. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, roll on Sacramento. Back-to-back weekends. Well, that's three, actually, in uh, eight days uh, that the UFC have put on for us. Sacramento is next, and it's quite a nostalgic, poignant night, really, because we've got the (coughs) farewell of one of our favourites. We've also got Paige Van Zandt, who we all absolutely love for various reasons, uh, back in the octagon, and a man that we've had on this show recently, making his UFC debut, Paul Craig, dead excited about everything that's happening uh, this weekend. We'll start with Paige Van Zandt. You'd expect her. It's a tough fight, but with the way that she's bounced back from Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you she needs that momentum. She's been away. She's done a reality TV show. Everybody now knows who she is. She, her star is absolutely huge at this moment in time. She steps back into the octagon. She gets a fantastic victory. Now it's a case of just building that momentum before she's moving forward into uh, the big league. Who was the uh, who was the cartoon wolf? Remember in the cartoons when we were kids, like uh, who used to Wa- Warner Brothers? <laughs> that guy, yeah, that I know guy, his, and his eyes come out of doing, doing, doing out yeah, of his yeah. head. Mate, that's this main event on Saturday night. Mm. Paige Van Zant against the karate hottie Michelle Waterson. Boy, this is definitely, definitely, categorically the hottest main event. <laughs> In the history of mixed martial arts. Chucking some octagon side girls, you know what I mean? It is going to be off the chain, man. This is a Christmas present. (laughs) Both these girls smoke any octagon girl. Smoke them. Paige Van Zandt, Michelle Waterson, a.k.a. the Karate Hottie. These two are... Listen, I know that's not what we're all about. We're, we're, We're... we're, we can't ignore it, though. Fight men. We we like a good fight. You know, we're big fans of women's boxing and women's fight sports. We agree with all that. You know, we. But listen, at the end of the day, we're also red blooded males. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, these two girls can not only fight, but they are also absolutely smoking hot. How do you so, see the fight going? Is there a fight at the end? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just I'm just looking forward to the way, and I've got to be honest. <laughs> Uh, Waterson's got all the experience you know this is a girl that's been around for a, a long time you know I think she's been fighting professionally for like 10 years or something now so you've got to think that she's got the advantage there she was a former uh, champion in Invicta and stuff like that but she is a bit smaller Paige Van Zandt I think has got a bit more size on her Paige has also got the momentum it's in Paige's 
uh, mock hometown, if you like. She, she's not originally from California, but she's yeah. based in Sacramento. She trains a team alpha male. Excuse me, there'll be a massive team alpha male, obviously, uh, surge behind this one because of the whole Uriah Faber final fight thing. Yeah. It'll be it'll will literally be like a home a home game for Paige Van Zandt, and I think that will probably push it over. I think there's no quit in Paige Van Zandt as cute as she is, as much as a little girl next door as she might look. She's also tough, man. This is one tough kid, and uh, yes, she gives away a mountain of experience. But I think a heart and desire will probably just about see it over the line. It's a good fight, though, man. It's a great fight. You mentioned you're right, Faber. This is it, man. This is the yeah. uh, this is the finale. Uh, this weekend is actually a, a weekend for finales. We've been talking about Bernard Hopkins uh, in our preview show. Tomorrow, today, yep. all about the UFC. It's a good farewell for your yeah, Faber. Is. Great career. Two absolute. Speaking of Hopkins, there two absolute legends hanging them up in uh, in California this weekend. Then on Saturday night, you know, one in uh, one in Sacramento and one in Inglewood. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a boxing fan, you know how much of a legend Bernard Hopkins is. If you're an MMA fan, you know how much of a legend that Uriah Faber is. Back in the days before the UFC had these lighter weight divisions, these smaller guys, Uriah Faber was the world champion in WEC. WEC promotion used to be where all the smaller guys were and then the UFC bought it and they come together and they absorbed all these smaller weight classes. But when the WEC was going, make no mistake, Uriah Faber was the poster boy mm. of that promotion. Absolute superstar. One of the nicest guys in the sport Top as well. guy, yeah. Honest to God. One of absolute gentlemen. And... Listen, this may well be his last fight, but it certainly isn't the last time we're going to see Uriah Faber in mixed martial arts. The guy is ingrained in the sport. He owns one of the best management companies in the business. He owns, one, you know, he's, he's, he's captain and owner of one of the most exciting teams in the business mm. in Team he's, Alpha he's, Male. He's good on the TV when he's doing the punditry and all that type Ex- of stuff. Exactly. He owns a, a fight brand in talk. Uh, you know, this guy's deep-rooted in mixed martial arts. He's going nowhere. And to be honest, what I think we're going to get now is... Paige Van Zandt, Cody Garbrandt, you know, this next generation of Team Alpha Male stars, they're the ones that are going to benefit most because, for me, Uriah now has to become head coach. He's yeah. got to become the main man. I know he's got coaches there at Team Alpha Male, but now he's retired. He's No one's got more experience than Uriah. No one knows more about the game at Team Alpha Male than Uriah. So he's got to become that take on that role as head coach now and, and steer this next generation of athletes out of California and uh, you know yes we want him to sign off in style but yes he's going up against one of ours isn't he he's going up against Brad Pickett man and you know Brad as well he's he needs a win he needs a big performance here to keep himself relevant in the UFC and Brad Pickett ain't going there to make up the numbers. Brad Pickett's there going there to take the right to Uriah. He Faber. needs it. He needs it as Brad. He's Especially the win. last time out when we saw him in Manchester, it didn't necessarily go his way. He needs he needs a big performance, man. We he know does, he's a favourite yeah. at Dana's. We know he's a favourite, but it's all right going uh, the distance and maybe losing out on a split decision. I think he needs to and I think he needs a victory, you know. Well, exactly. He was heading into this year. He was he was on the back of three Three losses heading into this year. He got that win against uh, Rivera, obviously down in London. Francisco Rivera, which he desperately needed. Then he lost uh, a fight in, in Manchester, of course. I've touched on to Alcantara. Got got smashed to bits, didn't he? Let's be honest, in Manchester. Yes, he does need a big win. He needs a big performance. And uh, the problem is, I think he's... Of all the places to fight Uriah Faber, this was the worst place. Yeah. You know, I, I think anywhere else in the world... You'd, you'd give Brad a chance anywhere else in the world. But listen, Uriah Faber ain't going to sign off in his hometown. 
he ain't going to sign off with a loss. There's just no way. He, he just will not allow that to happen. And obviously that, that's the position that Brad puts himself in. Hopefully it won't mean the end of Brad's career. I know that Brad will give everything he can. I'm, I'm hoping this... I, I think this fight probably will go deep into the third round, but Faber, man, them guillotines from Faber, they're never <laughs> far away, are they? You know, them them uh, trademark loves, team alpha loves male it. guillotines. Loves so, a guillotine. Yeah. Um, we're excited as well this weekend because Scotland gets a little bit of a taste of uh, Paul Craig, the UFC. Man. What a top guy. For those that yeah. haven't heard that show, uh, go back a few a few episodes back. Paul Craig came to join us on the show and we had a little bit of a chat about his Class UFC funny. debut. Oh, he's a top. Really funny. Loads of personality. And that's what we love about our fighters, showing off those personalities. He's obviously tore it up uh, on our scene. Uh, I think he's 8-0 with his mixed martial arts career. This is his UFC debut. It's, it's a tough one. He's taken on Luis Enrique de Silva, who's 12-0 with his mixed martial arts career. I think he's already yeah. had two fights in the UFC. Yeah. However, I'm back in the beard you, man. I'm the back in you. the beard you. He's going in there and he's going to do the business and he's going to he's going to bring the UFC back to Scotland. Yeah, man, I hope so. I spoke to him on Monday. He's uh, He's been in California since last Tuesday, so he's well acclimatised now. Um, and he, and he's enjoying it. He, you know, you can. We had him on the show. He's a, he's an absolute diamond, isn't yeah, he? You know, he, you can tell he's a lad that enjoys himself, and and he's thoroughly enjoying Sacramento. As I say, I spoke to him Monday. He was doing a day trip to San Francisco on Tuesday. He had all he had his week planned, and he was nice and busy. And he was just like, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm going to make the most of it." He said, "I've acclimatized, all the work's done. I'm just taking over in the gym now. So the rest of the time, I'm doing a bit of sightseeing." They'd been to Team Alpha Male on Sunday. They'd rolled with Uriah and the whole camp there. He's, uh, he's, he's he was saying his coach Brian was all super excited because he got a role with Clay Guida. But the mad thing is, Paul Craig was like, I didn't even know half of them were to be <laughs> And I was like, really? He was like, well, you know, listen, this is a guy. He's a school teacher, he's man. He's a school teacher from Scotland. He's, he's only been training MMA for four years. To think that he's now in the UFC. And he's like, I got into this sport like to get fit originally. And then, like, last four years, I'm kind of playing catch-up. He said, go back five, six years, I don't know who anyone was in the UFC that I've got no knowledge. Because I was saying to him, oh, you know, Cole Miller's on the card, he's below you. Eddie Wineland's on the card, he's below you. I said, you're headlining the Fox Sports Live portion of this card at the weekend. You must be so excited. And he was like, yeah, I don't really know who those guys are, to be honest with you, Nick. And I was like, oh my God, this is mental. But you know what? That's probably a good thing. Yeah, because yeah. He, he's not feeling any pressure. He, he was like, typical Paul Craig, he was like that to me. You know, the good thing is, and I was like, yeah, yeah, go on. And he's like, California, Look outside my window. It's freezing cold and it's pissing down. It's just like being back in Scotland. <laughs> so I'm not really missing anything. If it just feels like a fight, it feels like any fight except bizarrely I'm, I'm kind of in the city a week before, whereas usually, obviously, fighting domestically, I'd be lucky to get there the night before. He said that's the only difference. He said I'm missing my wife and missing me two girls. I'm going to take it out on this guy on Saturday night. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, finally, just away from the UFC, but involving quite a lot of UFC stars, which you're all familiar with. Um, it was Submission Underground 2, Charles Sonnen's uh, promotion, where uh, it's a grappling contest where you get the best wrestlers in the world together for a bit of a cuddle in the cage. Uh, one of these fights uh, that was uh, in action over the weekend was Dan Henderson, who you're all familiar with, against John Jones, again, who you're all familiar with. And John Jones put some lessons on him, didn't he, man? He put some lessons on him. That's no mean feat as well against Dan Henderson. Yeah, he's a man. serious wrestler. We and uh, just just... For me, it just kind of shows where John Jones is right now. You know, obviously he's been out of the sport for best part of a year. He will be out for a full year before he returns in the summer. Um, 
but it just shows where he's where is where he's at mentally. The fact that he's uh, he's able to grapple at such a high level against someone like Dan Henderson, who's you know he's forgotten more about wrestling than most people will ever know. Mm. So it just shows what kind of a competitor John Jones remains and how good a shape he is in. And it was cool the way he got in afterwards and called out Chael as well. And him and Chael had a bit of a tete-a-tete. And now it sounds like him and Chael are going to fight in January yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, Luke Rockhold's jumped in on it. Luke Rockhold wants a piece of that pie as well. He wants it. Well, again, Luke Rockhold's an absolute monster of a, of a grappler as well. You know, sick BJJ. So I, I know he's incredibly well thought of at AKA, so I'm not surprised that he's threw his name in the mix as well. So it's good, man. I like the way the guys tick over like this, you know. Tom Tom Brees, the, the UK welterweight, he, this is how he spends his, his downtime when he's not fighting in the UFC. He competes in grappling, grappling tournaments yeah. left, right and centre. And they're, they're growing in popularity as well. The UK now, there's grappling tournaments pretty much every weekend. No gi and gi in jiu-jitsu tournaments too. So they, they are definitely getting more popular and, and I like him. You know, it's good. And the good thing is, obviously, you can you can compete there outside of the UFC umbrella. It's not mixed martial arts. The UFC, at the moment, at least, are quite cool with the guys doing it, you know, because it, it, it's basically an exhibition. It's not a sporting event, if you like, which is why, obviously, John Jones was able to compete while he's under a suspension for the, yeah. you know, from Nevada State because it is an exhibition event. And uh, I, I think it's cool, man. I think the more of them, the better. It doesn't surprise me that Luke Rockhold's threw his name in the frame. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Uh, now then, it's nearly the end of 2016 and obviously Christmas is upon us and we, we know that you've got busy schedules over Christmas. We've got busy schedules over Christmas with family and friends and eating turkey and drinking boatloads of ale and all that type of stuff. Yep. Uh, but there are still a, there is still a little bit of action going on. Obviously, it's the return of Randa Rousey uh, on the 30th of this month. We don't want you to miss out on all the, the pre of that, so we're going to do it next week. So next Thursday's show will be about everything that's happened in Sacramento this weekend. We'll have a little bit of that. We'll talk about some of the big news that's going on in the world of the UFC, and we'll preview Ronda Rousey. So between Christmas and New Year, we're having a week off. There won't be a show. Uh, and then we'll be back first week of January. So if yeah. you have subscribed to us... Thank you so much. It's been a it's been a top journey so far. Hopefully, you're going to come with us in 2017 because there's going to be more stuff uh, coming your way. Yeah, um, more shows, more free stuff. Absolutely, especially more tickets. With, especially with the uh, UFC coming to London in, in the early parts of next year. And if uh, the beer Jew does his business at the weekend, you never know. Oh, he might yeah. be able to get Scotland. him into Scotland as well. That'd be sensational uh, if we can do that. So, if you don't already, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Come and join us uh, on a weekly basis for all the content and on a daily basis you can join us on social media at Fight Disciples on Facebook Twitter and Instagram once again from me and Nick thank you so much have a great Christmas Merry Christmas and we'll see you next week for the Ronda Rousey preview thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via iTunes